Alex, are you being interrogated? Are you in an interrogation room? Are you okay? I am now. <laughs> Alex is international today. How many croissants have you had in France, Alex? Just two? Two, and the butter is phenomenal. Huh. I mean, I was telling my wife, like, the coffee is incredible. Like, why? Like, even at a plane, like, you basically stop at a gas station. And they, like, basically throw dirty water in a cup, and you're like, oh my gosh, this coffee is incredible. Mm. I've had two croissants, and the butter is phenomenal. And apparently, you don't get... And, oh, I don't know if I would have gone with butter. Yeah, butters, butters... I mean, croissants are already made with butters. It's kind of like putting butter on top of butter. And apparently, the news has not gotten out that smoking is bad for you, because people do... All they do is, like, drink coffee, eat croissants. I'm kidding. Um, but there are so many people that smoke here. Wow, you're gonna come back from France a changed man. A chain smoker? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Tech by Design, where the Richmond Technology Council takes you to the edge for trending tech and innovation here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Nick Surface, CEO of RVA Tech, along with Alex Atanias, CEO of Shaco. Come join us. Well, Alex, what are you doing in what are you doing in France? Is this personal? Is this professional? What's going on? I am at this little festival called the um, Cannes Film Festival. Uh, so what are, you, what are you doing there? Are you, are you researching? Are you just enjoying the productions? What's going on? Well, in general, I enjoy. Uh, no, uh, we're actually here. Um, so VEDP's, um, the, the Virginia Economic mm -hmm. Development Partnership Program, actually partially sponsored our trip to, to come to Cannes. We have clients here. We are sponsoring an event here. And as you said, we are also enjoying our time here. So it's it's part of our essentially opportunity to expand our business, not only locally, but uh, internationally. And the, the film festival is much like South by Southwest. It was originally a film festival. Now it's a creative technology and film festival. And it's just a really cool place to, to meet people, kind of like you did at South by Southwest. Cool. Well, I'll have to put it on my list for next year, Alex. Yeah, they don't have food trucks here, so um, we could definitely have the food truck experience. We could do a South by Southwest and a canned food truck experience. Is it ready to be an international food truck? Like, can we ship that? I mean, that's 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 <laughs> Nick's call, right? Like, I don't I don't know. I mean, we we put some croissants and some good coffee in there, and then you have Nick, me, and you in there. Yeah, I can good, do anything right? with the right sponsor, Alex. Anything. <laughs> Well, listen, jumping in on the tech front and on the innovation front and creativity, I felt like we needed to start by talking about Apple and the big news from their developer conference. Nick, I know you and I were talking about the headset a little bit, but Alex, any thoughts on the Vision Pro? I am extremely excited. So we've, we've been working on augmented reality experiences for, what, four or five years. And it's always just kind of been on the cusp, I think, with Apple kind of throwing their headset into, into the ring and saying, hey, listen, this is really going to happen. I think the next three to five years are going to be really interesting. I think what I really, really liked about what Apple did is they shied away from the, the gaming experience. And they basically, if, if you saw some of the announcements, a lot of it was focused on productivity, which was incredible. I think it's a matter of time before some of us actually have headsets and actually are working in a headset versus a computer. I think that's going to be a huge game changer. I think Facebook's been trying to do that with their their headset, but it just hasn't, like the, the MetaQuest, but it just hasn't picked up. I think Apple basically saying, 
it's here. We'll, we'll, we'll do some really cool things, but those are kind of my two or three observations. Yeah, Alex, I think you hit on something with the focus on productivity and work versus play and leisure and entertainment. That seems to be a, a big difference in terms of the, the marketing positioning. Have you tried these? Have you? I'm curious about the interface. So we can we can talk all day long about the design and you know it looks like a, a fancy pair of uh, scuba goggles, but how's the interface? Because it looks like we're getting close to the Minority Report. It looks even better than what we saw in Minority Report 25 years ago with Tom Cruise. Um, I have not. I mean, I've, I mean, if you're talking about the interface with the Vision Pro, um, it, it won't be released until next year. But I haven't tried the interface. Um, I, I have tried, I think it's called Workspaces with uh, MetaQuest. And if you haven't, it's really interesting. Um, what you do is you connect your computer to this, this uh, virtual interface. And, and you're essentially able to have multiple screens in a virtual setting, which is really cool. I think Apple, as, as they always do, makes it cleaner and easier, but I'm curious to see how it works and, and the whole pinching and touching and, and kind of like using your hands to manipulate the screen is, is a little cumbersome on, on the MetaQuest. It's a little cumbersome on the HoloLens, but it's getting better. Um, I think Apple's just going to basically up the, up the game, up the ante there. Yeah. Are we going to get rid of, are we what getting rid of monitors Are monitors going away? I don't think monitors are going to go away, right? Like it's kind of like when, when the, when the laptop was introduced, people are like, our desktop's going to go away. I don't, I don't think so. It's just different. Well, when's Vision Pro 2 coming out, Alex? Do we have any, do we have any, uh, any hint on that? Because, uh, let's, let's face it. This thing's a little pricey. The tech is probably a little nascent. And uh, it might be uh, if you're a, a late adopter or somebody who wants to maybe uh, get have things work work themselves out on their own. When do you think number two is coming out? I wouldn't call the tech nascent. I mean, the tech's pretty mature. I mean, if you saw some of the screens, I think um, it's still in the early adopter kind of For phase. Sure. But I wouldn't talk, call the tech nascent. I mean, they they have they have taken this to a point of maturity that that I think we could all expect from them. Vision two. I mean, they're probably going to go on this cadence where where with, with the, which they've done with all their tech, right? Which is annual. So you'll probably have the vision two next year. All right. Well, I, I look forward to a better. What are What are your thoughts I, on it? I Nick? need a better look and feel of the the hardware. Still, still not going to wear that around. You're not going to walk around the streets of Richmond. Uh, still not going to do that. I think the productivity aspect is interesting. I do like the fact that I can get rid of the two 24 inch monitors in front of me and have it on my wall. That's going to help out. It's going to feel a little better, but it's going to take some time. I mean, I'm ready for it. I just wish the the hardware was a little sleeker. And from what I expect from Apple, I just uh, I'm surprised they came out with with this uh, clunky of a headset. Hot takes. All right, what's next, Lauren? What else we got? <laughs> All right, our big topic for the day is finance and generative AI. So building on last week where we kind of dug in more on home tech, when we talked about HIO, thought this week with the new McKinsey report out that looked at the impact of AI on the economy, that we could talk Capital One, we could talk banking and all things AI. So... I guess the level set, yeah, the McKinsey report I mentioned said AI will impact the economy 2.6 trillion to 4.4 trillion globally. And then for banking specifically, they're thinking it's going to be 200 to 340 billion. So what do we think about generative AI in the finance space? What are your thoughts, Nick? 
So there's a whole uh, handful of different impacts that uh, the McKinsey report went through. But the the line that really intrigued me was uh, decreasing risks through better monitoring of fraud and risk. And the fraud, certainly I get the cybersecurity element of it, but I'm curious about the actual risk assessment of loans and other financial instruments and and how they're being evaluated um, for the ability to to repay um, or what is the the lending qualifications. And I, the reason I say that is because when you look back at some of our financial cycles and economic cycles over time, some of the biggest dips or drops or catastrophes have been because of lax banking practices in one nature one nature or another. So I'm wondering if this evens out banking practices and regulation and risk assessment uh, to the point where um, it provides, it either provides some stability to our economic cycles, or are we going to have an AI crash uh, in seven years? Can it be both? It's all, it always can be both, Alex. It's my favorite word. Uh, I think, I think there's, there's going to, right, right now we're still in like that AI hype curve where everybody thinks AI is going to do everything, including cooking for us. Well, I'm ready for that for sure. Can we just sign me up? I don't. I'll wear goggles, whatever I need to wear in the kitchen to make that happen. Oh, so you will wear the Apple goggles if they cook for you? Hundred <laughs> percent. It's a trade-off. It's right. both. It's- Thank you. It's value. It's the value prop, right? I don't like the goggles for the value prop of just seeing what I already see on my phone or my desktop. Love the value prop if I don't have to actually cook anything. Got it. Okay, cool. Coming back to, to risk, I, I think it's really two things, right? Will, will we see an AI crash? Yeah, 100%. I think we're putting a lot of weight into these models from a risk assessment perspective. I think it's really interesting because it's, it's such a repetitive process. Assessing risk, human risk, is, is just such a repetitive process. And there is so much human emotion attached to it. I think some of these AI models are going to be able to... And, and there's two types of risk, right, Lauren? So, so the first one is the risk the financial institutions incur by lending or financing consumers. And then there's the, the risk and fraud detection that these financial firms rely on to ensure that our money is kept safe, right? And, and so the first one, how risky is the, the lender? I think AI, first of all, people have been using AI for years already for, for risk assessment models. I think now it's just becoming more prevalent. I think for smaller institutions, it's going to be awesome. I really think that a lot of the um, human emotion is going to be or has the potential of being removed, right? When when creating those those risk models. So that was going to be one of my questions is with Richmond in particular, right? We've got big financial groups and organizations like Capital One and like Bank of America that are here. And then we've also got, like Alex, I know we've worked with the Virginia Credit Union and like more local and regional banks. What role is AI, do you think, going to play in Richmond's finance community specifically? Does it have a role in our tech town? Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about risk assessment and fraud detection. I think customer service and personalization is, is something that we, we have yet to talk about. We started to dip into risk management and compliance. The other thing is like data analytics and insights. Uh, I think from we, we cannot ignore what is it like algorithmic trading or, or investment strategies. Not to mention data privacy, ethic management. There's just so many things that, that all these companies are going to be taking advantage of. One of the things that um, I, I was talking to some of my friends at Microsoft, and I think the way we view technology today is going to change. And that is what I am most excited about. 
I think as we talk about technology for some of these companies, the larger players take advantage of the new technologies because they hire people to actually build the technologies for them. With AI, once a model is built, it could be replicated and repurposed across smaller companies. So I think the cool thing about AI is the, the small local institutions are going to be taking advantage of it quicker than they have with, say, a CRM platform or a banking platform, right? These banking platforms had to be cost effective to a point where they could actually implement them. Whereas with AI, like the cost of technology has dropped dramatically. And, and I see that rollout going down a lot faster. And by the way, Nick, I only see your nose and your right eye, which is really interesting. Those are my best features. I've got all of them. Um, <laughs> Alex, I'm with you on the, the smaller banking component. I think it's going to make innovation and acceleration more accessible, meaning that it's easier to advance your codes or your algorithm rhythms or your te the tech behind whatever you're building you know it's it's creating a base level of of content or code or whatever it is much quicker and it's much more accessible than it's ever been ai is removing the need for all of us to be deep tech if that makes any sense meaning it's much easier for us to have a superficial knowledge of tech and use it to our advantages to either innovate our companies, our work, our daily lives, whatever it is. And I think that approachability and accessibility scales down to all sizes of business where, yeah, it's certainly gonna, you know, the Capital Ones and the Bank of Americas and the Atlantic Unions of the world um, are gonna amplify this to the, to the utmost extent to maximize anything it can do. But at the same time, the village banks of the world are gonna be able to, um, to also compete and implement some of this advanced tech uh, much er earlier than they maybe would have in the past. Yeah, and, and just to be clear, I know for a fact that Capital One and B of A are already using AI. So they've been using it for years, right? And, and, and I think as we talk about the AI that is being marketed today, that is what I think like the village banks and the small banks are going to be able to capitalize on a lot quicker. I don't know, Lauren, what, what are your thoughts on it? I'd love to hear your thoughts just from a research perspective. Yeah, one of the things that I kind of going back to the customer experience side of it, because I feel like as the least techie from the marketing brain that's where I go a lot is like what's the feel of it and how would I use it or how would my mom use it and I think that there's a real opportunity especially for younger users to increase financial literacy and to kind of help you AI could help you better understand your own patterns how to save how to invest in a way that works for you and reduce some of that stigma around not understanding like what my 401k is versus a Roth IRA, you know, and kind of being able to help reduce that and help you feel more confident from a consumer perspective. Yeah, I love what you just said there, Lauren. And, and so as I go through some of the things that we have built at Shaco, right? So saving apps, there's there's a slew of saving apps, right? 10, 15, 20, like Mint and, and so on and so forth. And every single one of those saving apps requires so much time and attention and dedication from the actual user. I wonder if AI is, I shouldn't say I wonder, I am waiting for the day where AI actually like does the categorization. And, and a lot of these tools like Simplify, for example, Simplify already does categorization for you to allow you to understand like where your money's going, but there's still like this effort that you have to put in. So how does AI simplify that, right? Um, the second thing from a 401k or from, from an investment perspective, rebalancing your portfolio is not for the faint of heart, right? Like it's just, you either pick a retirement date and let the experts do it, or you pretend to know what you're doing. I'm kidding, right? But I think, I wonder if AI is gonna simplify that. I think the most important thing or the thing that I am looking for the most is 
we rely on an interface to actually do this, right? An interface to do our savings, an interface to balance our portfolio and, and this user interface. I am really looking forward to a more personalized approach, which is a conversation. So, so there's really two things, right? So how does savings become a conversation? How does investment become a conversation? And how do you use these technologies to actually give your, your customers, your bankers, a white glove service or a white glove approach. So that's the first thing. I also think, and, and Lauren, you, you, I think, published a piece of work around this, but the current form of user interfaces are essentially single-handed, right? We build one interface for all of our customers. I am looking forward to the day where AI could basically construct a user interface depending on the customer, right? Like if you have any disability, like you have a special type of interface that's constructed for you right then and there. Um, if you have a bias or a specific preference, that UI is constructed then and there. If you don't want an interface and you just want to have a conversation, the UI is constructed then and there. And, and I think that's where we're headed from, from a marketing consumer service perspective. Alex, how do you think this is going to affect the investment banking side of, of the game? You mentioned portfolio adjustments or retirement plans, uh, that type of thing. But, um, you know, we're getting to a point where we're seeing generative AI create content that is remarkably accurate and precise and usable. At what point do you anticipate that this could predict irrational market behavior? I think it already does. Um, so, so. Well, then what are we doing? Market. Why, why are we even here? I got to go trade. Got a new career path to go down now. I'm all set. I, I think if, if every single large institution in the country is using algorithmic investing already, like they, they don't invest based on hunches. Like they're using algorithms to essentially determine where to invest and where to place your money. Like that's, that's been happening for, for years, but it hasn't come down to, to the investor like you and I yet. But when, when we put our money into, into some of these large institutions, they are using algorithms to, to actually determine where to put our money and, and AI as, as we call it today. I, I think what Lauren said is, is what I'm excited about, helping us understand how those algorithms work or how we as the, the non-institutional investor can actually manage our money. I also, I also believe that the market's a lot smoother today because we're not using emotions to, to drive decisions as much as we used to, right? I mean, the, market, the market's doing pretty well. I mean, no matter what the Fed does, our market, or what, uh, like, we still keep growing, right? Like the Fed's like, hey, listen, we're going to slow down growth. We're going to raise interest rates. And like our companies continue to make some money. I mean, a lot of that might be, might be a little bit of fluff, but I mean, I think that's, that's, a, that's a computer-driven approach. I don't know if that answered your question, Nick. Yeah. What about, let's get to the final five. We're running out of time here, Lauren. What, uh, kick us into the final five. Yeah. So let's just, looking at the week ahead, the couple, because I know we're coming up on holidays. What's on the horizon, Alex, post-France? Anything local, anything national you're watching, keeping an eye on? Or are you just all in on the croissants right now? No, that, that's okay, That's too. my stomach. <laughs> my stomach's all in on the croissants and coffee and uh, I'm trying to like, something is happening with the market, right? Like these interest rates that we have make it very uneasy for investors to place their money and actually make their money because of the high levels of interest rates. But companies continue to make money. Our market continues to grow and the tech sector continues to basically ignore everything that's happening with interest rates. It's, it's, it's insane. I am really, really curious to see what happens in the second half of the year, so Q3 and Q4, with consumer spending, consumer confidence, and as a result, where a lot of these Fortune 500 brands that serve as consumers 
place their money, how they manage tech, how they met. Like, I, I think that's what I'm looking at right now. And, and that applies to Richmond, right? Because of all the companies that, that we have there. Alex, at the beginning of the year, everybody was asking, you know, are we anticipating a, a recession or not? What do you think 2023 is going to hold? We're six months in now. Are we still in that holding pattern? Are we seeing a trend? Are we feeling better? Are we feeling worse? Everything I've been reading says the recession essentially is being pushed into the Q4 time range. Well, that's so, delightful. Um, great to yeah, just, rescheduled <laughs> just rescheduled it. It's been uh, the calendar invite has been updated. A new time it's has been delayed. proposed, and uh, it's just you know being <laughs> circulated for adoption. Uh, great. I mean, it's just the, I, all, all these people that predict these things. They're like, well, the recession's going to hit in three quarters. Actually, we've pushed it out a quarter. Consumer confidence has gone up, so we've we've pushed it out thirty days. All they have to do is be right once out of three hundred times, and then they'll be like. See, I told you you guys were going to fail. And it's like, well, yes, the market was going to have a downturn. I think Tesla has tripled in value, in, and so has Facebook this, this year alone. I think Tesla went up from about $100 a share to $300 a share. I mean, uh, RVA, Nick, what's happening in RVA? What's happening in RVA? Well, speaking of Tesla, the, um, next time we got to catch up on the Rivian, Alex. We need an update. Now that it's been on the road for a few weeks, uh, we need to hear how it's oh, going. It RVA Tech is rounding out for the summer here. We are uh, looking ahead to the fall. Uh, we spend most of our summer planning. We've got the gala coming up the end of September. We have the Women in Tech Conference in October. We have the JavaScript Conference in November. And I'd be remiss if I didn't highlight our new digital RVA conference, which is up next, September 7th. It's digital marketing, it's analytics, it's, it's more AI, it's automation, everything around uh, digital marketing. So check that out. It's launching soon here in the next what, week or what so. What companies are winning and, uh, awards excited at Gala. About that. Can, you, can you give us some, some insight? Well, you know, I'm hoping to see Shaco nominated in almost every category. Well, I mean, um, but hard to say if there's going to be any winning uh, achievements. We there. submitted for the K to twelve award, so I expect I expect a nomination with within that K to twelve award. You nominated in the K to twelve for yourself? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. High achiever. <laughs> I may need to see your your middle school transcripts. All right. Well, this I think is officially gone off the rails, and so with that, I think we can wrap for the week. Alex, safe travels. Thank you, Lord. And we'll see you stateside next time, I guess. Yes, yes, yes. Can't wait to be back. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. What's up, Claire? 